Welcome back to Don't Call It A Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Oh boy, Dan. Oh boy. We are, we are done with Morningstar. Done with the, I guess it's the first trilogy in the Red Rising series. Mm-hmm. We, we know it happens. What a ride. Uh, what a ride. What a ride. We're going to talk about it. I, we have to get warmed up first. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I want to get a little bit warmed up. Um, I've got a little bit of a rant. It's going to be short. I think it's going to okay. be a short one. Uh, same rules apply as always. If you want to skip it, look at the show notes, but okay. This is a, this is a game that I and people everywhere, I assume played as children. Okay. Okay. Red Rover. What were we thinking? <laughs> no. <laughs> in the in whose like... <laughs> ideal was this? This is terrible. <laughs> okay, Luke. For for our Am listeners who don't know, describe the game. Okay, Red Rover is you've got like two teams basically, right? Mm-hmm. Each team locks hand or like grabs each other's hands forms a long line facing each other one team will say red rover red rover send someone on the other team send daryl on over you say right you say a specific person that person has to leave their team and try to run at the other team's line and break the like the linkage with their body it's basically like how to dislocate a shoulder 101. Uh, Luke, I actually have a theory about Red Rover. I don't think it was ever actually a game. Like, because because that's my understanding for how Red Rover works as well. But there's two problems with it. One, it was never a game that was, like, sanctioned by an adult. Like, this was never a game that was set up by an adult anywhere. It was always just, like, if we had a big enough bunch of kids, we would be like, hey, maybe we should try Red Rover. Oh, that could be fun. And we would start to do it, and the adults would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop that. And two... (laughs) Yeah, I don't... Okay, go ahead. The other problem is, who wins? Like... What are the, what are there points? Like there need to be more rules to this game to be a game, right? No, 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 no. What it is, is if you break the link, the two people whose link you break are now on your team. And if you don't break the link that you're now on the other team and you go until the line, like there's no one left on one team, basically. I see. But like, okay, I agree with you. I think that it's probably not a super adult sanctioned game. I don't think it's like forbidden, right? Like it's not, it's not like a, it's not like putting a flaming bag of poo on someone's doorstep and you get yelled at for it. It's like, uh, I don't really like that you guys play that, but go ahead. I think that's what it is. And and here's the thing. I, I was a very small kid, Okay. <laughs> very small not not very successful in games that benefit people with um muscles or things like that Mm. so Mm -hmm. this game to me was an absolutely and it was just an absolute disaster and i i'm i'm against it that's where that's okay i guess okay interesting interesting 
Yeah, see, like, the other crazy thing about this game, Luke, is I can't remember who told me how the game works. Like, I don't remember anybody ever explaining to me how Red Rover kind of worked. Like, other games I've played, like, I remember learning how soccer worked or learning how to play tic-tac-toe. But I feel like it was just, like, I feel like it's what naturally emerges if you have a large enough group of children. If you get a large enough group of children, they eventually discover Red Rover. <laughs> a large enough group of children with at least one large bloodthirsty kid. Because, <laughs> like, if I'm the leader of a group, there's no way I, as a kid, was suggesting Red Rover. But a lot of but there but but there was that option from a lot of other people. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Ter- terrible game. uh yeah that's it that's pretty much it terrible game don't do it anymore um luke speaking of terrible games you know what might have made red rover a lot more fun what's that if you'd have played it high on mushrooms because the obsidians we find out fight high on mushrooms Maybe that was the problem with Red Rover. That's fair. That's okay, we're fair. we're, ju- it, it we're jumping into Morningstar in... now. <laughs> we're jumping into Morningstar. Uh, it turns them into berserkers. And okay, I I think I said this earlier, but if you if you don't know, we have we have finished Morningstar. So if you have not finished Morningstar, uh, pause this. You can pause it. And come back. Finish the book. But. These obsidians fighting high on mushrooms is insane to me. Like, it makes them sound very epic, but also, like, everybody's going to respond to drugs, especially hallucinogenic drugs, in a different way, right? So, Mm -hmm. there's for sure some obsidians who are, like, not having what I think a normal person would call a bad trip. You know, because like for sure these people who are tripping on mushrooms have got to be just seeing demons everywhere and that's what's getting them hyped to fight. Like there's a couple obsidians out there that are like seeing unicorns and rainbows prancing around and are just like, oh, this is so nice. I So I think maybe it's Cephi, but one of the obsidians offers it to, I don't know if it's Darrow, but offers it to someone and says that you will see dragons. Um. I, I think that you're right that you you can't like assume that everyone's gonna see the same thing, right? Yeah, it's a hallucinogenic drug. Like, there's no way. This isn't the freaking Joe Rogan podcast where we're talking about how everybody trips the same on DMT. Okay, we're we're being realistic here. Oh wow, deep, deep cut. <laughs> we're all we all understood that reference. Um, no, I I agree with you. It's a risky move, also. Cause like one minute you're floating in like a bubble that somebody's blown and you're like, Oh, maybe what happens if I pop it? And the next you've just cracked open a window in the side of a starship and the void of space is sucking you out into nothingness. And you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have tripped mushrooms when like my death was inches away from, from me. Hmm. Right. You want to, you want to save space. (laughs) Right, maybe a nice warm 
nice warm fire, some friends around. <laughs> this is like the absolute worst time, right? If if I who like I will say I I I do not partake. Um, nothing. I'm not against it necessarily, but I have not. But I would assume, were I to do, like to take some kind of hallucinogenic, I would not want to be in like the most dangerous moment of my life during that time period. Was it Mustang or Victra that was like, yeah, Cassius and I did those and we were fucked up for like a week. I I think it was Victra. I think I remember I this. I think it was Victra as well. And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, maybe don't then. It's like, I take that when you're out in the country on your cottage on your like, 200 acre land and lock the doors don't do it in a claustrophobic hallway with thousands of people shooting at you that's not the time and when all your allies are like within two feet of you and if you just like mistake friend for foe then you're just like randomly swinging on your buddies (laughs) that's the way they do it though (laughs) You, you you win some you lose some in the obsidian in the obsidian mindset it's how they get rid of the weak it's like yeah yeah and there maybe the maybe the pros slightly outweigh the cons it's like i killed two of my friends but four of the enemy so balances out and my brain thought i was killing dragons the whole time so i don't even feel guilty about any of it this is guilt-free baby <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, wait a minute. Maybe this is how they avoid PTSD. Oh. Like they didn't just murder a bunch of people. They're slaying dragons out here. Ooh. And it's like Okay. Yeah, no problem slaying dragons. Like they're bad and just animals. So like I'm fine with Whoa. dancing. Okay, well. <laughs> Sorry, Safira, but yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a good. Maybe that's 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 a good a good use. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us to something a little less intense, and that's that Orion has swag. Okay, when she's, we don't see her for very long in this section. A little bit, like I would have liked to see more of Orion, mm-hmm. but she is like on this communication Zoom call with Darrow. And just, like, I appreciate how much she acts like his equal. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Yeah. She's just casually talking. She takes some tea from a servant as she's talking to him. Wait, I think I think she's setting a great example here. I think so, too. And, uh, well, and I think she recognizes that she is, like, so essential, right? She recognizes mm-hmm. that she is Dara's equal because, as, I mean... I, I think we predicted this last episode that there was going to be some like Darrow naval command where it turns out Darrow's really good at fighting with ships too. That didn't really mm-hmm. happen. Like it didn't turn out that Darrow was just a better naval commander than Roke. He was like getting crushed by Roke. Um, but I I want to say Orion is like pretty good. Like obviously not Roke level. But it seemed like Orion was like the only thing keeping Darrow's forces together for a good part of it. Yeah. I have to assume that there's 
more along like Darrow's side is a little bit less individual person dependent. Mm. I don't I'm not necessarily basing that off of anything. Um but that's just kind of the 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 feeling that I get. But I think you're right that she for I mean for one thing has been like before Darrow got there completely the commander of the fleet and self-sufficient and all of that stuff. So, so very good stuff, Orion. Uh, I like the, I like the confidence you're bringing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also, do you ask for just a parrot? I feel like you ask for something more than just a parrot, right? Yeah. Okay. But I will say, I mean, like what else does she really want? Because she's already, like, they talk about how rich she already is because she's been, like, a high-level pirate for a while. Oh, for sure. 100%. I just feel like when you're asking for a parrot in a world that has people that have created literal griffins for people to ride, you're asking too small. Like, Mm. let's get a little upgrade. Let's put a new coat of paint on this old pirate thing Maybe ask for something a little cooler than a parrot. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, okay, so she could be the next generation of pirates, is what you're saying. I feel she like needs she to needs remake to remake piratehood in her image. Yeah, yeah. And, like, sure, you can have the same, like, flavor of old pirates, but I feel like just asking for a parrot's like, okay, this is the same as all the golds being like, mm, yes, I love ancient Rome. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's, let's a upgrade point. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be, like, upgrading. Like, you don't have to go Griffin, necessarily. No, You know what no. I mean? You could go, give me, like, an inchworm on my shoulder. Those are cool. A big old inchworm. Uh, but, like, a big version of one. Um, okay. That's an interesting choice, Luke. That's an interesting choice. Maybe a butterfly. Now, hold on. Forget an inchworm, forget a parrot, give me a big butterfly that hangs out on my shoulder. We're get, we're starting to get okay. into Pokemon territory here um, <laughs> with this. I just, I feel like she's, she's missing an opportunity here with a parrot. At the very least, like, ask for a parrot that has, like, laser eyes or something. I don't know. I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. like... If you upgrade. come out with a venom stinger parrot, I'm gonna be mad at you. Then uh, we should we should probably move on then, because that's where this is headed. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about we. You mentioned that we had discussed like how Darrow was gonna win this, because we. I think it was kind of safe to assume that he was gonna win this battle, mm-hmm. and that he couldn't necessarily do it just by all of a sudden being a better naval commander, and. He does it by being, by just the most Darrow way, right? I, this is, I'm going to make a sports reference that you're not going to get, but I'm hoping some listeners might. Uh huh. Darrow is the Boise State of, of space missions or whatever. And, and Dan, I know you don't get that, but <laughs> Boise State is very famous for a game that they did where they did a bunch of absurd trick plays and ended up winning. And that's what, that's what Darrow does here. He's not necessarily like 
way better at command or like fighting and that kind of thing but he has some great trick plays i think that's definitely true and he's like always willing to risk 100 percent of everything to win like in this section but throughout these books darrow has done it seems like Darrow has asked the question, what would be the biggest gamble I could make possible right now? Oh, all in with a seven and a two down? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Because nobody will expect it. And like, it's paid off for him literally every single time, except for the one time that it didn't, uh, which turned out pretty bad for him. <laughs> but it, it's just, so darrow's mo of like yeah i'm gonna run after octavia's shuttle by myself and jump in and just like see what happens or yeah i'm gonna be the one to charge a claw drill into roke's ship and lead all my forces on this like almost suicide mission let's see what happens or i'm gonna get captured and then go down to the like vault with all the golds and try and fuck shit up there like it's just so darrow's ammo that's just it and if people aren't figuring that out at this point they deserve to die like roke come on (laughs) right okay okay here's what i think is gonna is interesting we saw in i think it was uh golden sun the like little mission planning meetings with uh nero augustus Mm -hmm. and it was like oh we should run or we should fight it was like you guys can't come up with anything else what do you think that these meetings look like under darrow's leadership it's got to be chaos right (laughs) it's insanity in there well and they're just throwing out random stuff Severo's like, okay, me and the Howlers could cover ourselves with griffin shit and then clothe ourselves in feathers and fly into their ship that way. I I think they're, you know those like fridge magnets with words on them? I think they're just throwing that at the wall and like whichever one is craziest that's what they're going with. This is exactly it because there's that scene. I think it's in Golden. Uh, no, it's in this book where Darrow's like, yeah, the Golds, when they have a meeting, they have everybody facing each other so they can disagree. But my meetings, I want them all facing the hollow, the hologram, so we can all like agree and solve this problem. And I think that's essentially it is everybody's just facing a magnetic wall, throwing words at it like claw drill and nuclear reactor and star shells and they're just seeing what sticks it's for sure it it's gotta be it's gotta be because it's also just so risky right like yes it works out for darrow all these times he has a crazy risky plan it works out but it's always like barely worked out do you know what i mean like there's a lot of stuff that you can't plan there's a lot of like Maybe your claw drill just gets immediately destroyed upon leaving your ship, Darrow, because that happened to one of your buddies. <sighs> I think it's wild. And especially, it would be one thing if Darrow was, like, coming up with these plans and then sending people to go do them. But Darrow is the one doing them. 
and for some of them i get it has to be darrow like for the end the final plan it has to be darrow but for this claw drill thing like it doesn't have to be darrow he does a big you know he he's very important but like he's also very important to keeping this whole thing running so it would be so stressful like this is this is why darrow can't keep a big boy around right because like if you're darrow's big boy bodyguard you're dying of stress within a year yeah absolutely i mean why do you think ragnar's hair was white he was so stressed that was that was it was pure black when we first met him. <sighs> okay. So, okay, so we get to we get to Roke's little chamber. Yeah. When we're getting there, Victra is like taunting Roke a little bit. Can we talk about how perfect she and Severo are? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Because I don't remember the specifics of the taunt that she does to Roke. But it was such a Severo taunt. I was like, yeah, okay, you guys you guys are freaking perfect. Like, <laughs> neither of you come up with good lines, but you're always trying. You're always shooting from the hip. And sure, they're going wide, but, like, the other person's too scared to shoot back anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a match made in heaven right there is what it is. Okay, we get to Rogue's Chamber, and... We get another pop culture reference here. I was good. Did you catch it? Dude, Pierce is a meme lord. I'm pretty sure he's a memer. This by Felicia reference. By Felicia. You can't throw a by Felicia in here. Absurd. I loved it, man. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's great. I was very into it. Do you think Victra knew? Because this book takes place in future earth so sure this is a meme for us is it also a meme for victra like was this a little taunt that she was doing i have to think that when she said that she did a quick little look around to be like anyone else anyone get that and unfortunately no one did (sighs) severo would have but he wasn't there severo severo watched the tape back later and was like oh did you buy felicia nice (laughs) I have to think so. Yeah. Or at least or at least Victor's telling him later. That's what happens when Severo has just tried to hang himself. Well, kind of. And Victor and Severo are like alone in the room. That's what they're talking about. Victor's like, hey, uh, bummer about you hang- trying to hang yourself. That wasn't cool. But did you hear my bye Felicia meme a while ago? And Severo's like, yeah, I loved it. And Victor was like, okay, we're getting married. That's and that's when one of them proposed. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In this scene, I also, I was really expecting Darrow, at some point, to tell Roke, why he had um like knocked him out before. This like at the beginning of Golden Sun. Yeah. The event that I think started off their like descent into enemies is when darrow uh like knocks out 
Roke to prevent him from coming up to that gal gal gala gala is it gala gala how do i know that the soiree that okay he he knocks out Roke to prevent him to coming to the soiree that he's expecting to blow mm-hmm. up and there's a whole miscommunication about that i was i was thinking we were gonna get some explanation from darrow to Roke about that and i was a little bit sad that we didn't i think so too like darrow has this moment right before Roke kills himself where he's like, man, I wish I could just do something or say something to make this stop, but there's nothing I can say. Like, it's just, this is just what's going to happen. And that point is definitely the turning point between Darrow and Roke in terms of like their friendship. Like, sure, maybe Roke would have still been committed to the idea that he has duty and has to follow through with his like gold society obligations. But... Like, before Darrow knocks Roke out, they're great buddies. And Roke's concerned about Mm -hmm. Darrow. He's like, hey, man, shit's kind of wild right now. Like, we'll figure it out. We'll We'll get through it. And that, like, him knocking out Roke is what causes Roke to just, like, start hating Darrow in a way. And, like... Mm -hmm. If he'd have, yeah, if he'd have just explained himself there and been like, hey, I did it because I am like your friend and I, you know, even though you're a gold, I was, I wanted you to, to live. That could have been the thing, right? It could have been the thing that saved Roke. I know. Uh, but uh, maybe Darrow's like memory implant was having trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. I could see it. That, or he was just like, man, I'm so sick of Roke whining all the time. <laughs> can't wait for this guy Probably to be more realistic. Here. He's just like, I can't keep doing this. He's too needy, this Roke guy. Just, it's it's his time. I think he's right. It's like when you, it's like when you have gotten a text and you don't really want to respond to it, but you really, you probably should. And you like keep trying to think of what you're going to respond to it. And then you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it. That was Darrow. He's been he's been trying to figure out the best way to bring this up to Roke. It's going to be like most impactful. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he's just like, I don't. I don't feel like it. I've already got my buddies. I'm all buddied up. My fave five we is can, full, We can Roke. let Roke go. <laughs> Roke's out of the top eight. It's done. It's a tough. It's tough. It is very tough. It's very tough. But you know what's kind of unforgivable that Darrow does with Roke? Hmm. He checks out his hist- his video history. Dude, that's a no. That's a big no, dog. You clear that history, right? Right. It's like, yeah, for sure. You go to his private friends quarters with someone. and you see, oh, whoa, this guy's like video history is still oh, all up and I can see all of it. Better just hit that clear button before anybody knows what's in there because I, I would want him to do the same for me. So like, I got you, Roke. But no, he's like, mm, what kind of weird shit is Roke into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this also hit me as wrong. Um just because that's that's the cult that's so wrong in our culture right now <laughs> that it's like it, it it gives me a little recoil you know when i when i read it, it. should 
Because he wants to pretend like he's Roke's friend. He's like, I'm the only one that respected Roke enough to have a funeral. And Daryl, you're also the only one who dug into his dirty laundry and was like, you were like rooting around in there like, hmm, what's even, what's even into? Hmm. You didn't need to do that. No, no, you didn't. And then, but then we get, okay, and then you bring Cassius say, in get, on it. We, we get Cassius into it, which I will say, great scene. Oh, tragic scene, man. That scene was such a bummer scene. for me. I was into it, okay? I, like, Darrow and Cassius being, like, frenemies. You, you know I've been waiting for Cassius to come back into the, into the fold. And I could have I read 100 pages on Darrow and Cassius. Just, like, just like having a, a semi-awkward heart-to-heart. I could have read that forever. I also really loved it. I just feel like Cassius didn't deserve it. Like, mm. of all the characters that deserve to be this kind of, like, frenemies thing with Darrow, it's kind of Roke. And it, it, for me, it was tragic because it was like, Roke was nice to you guys, like, literally the whole time. And sure, he was, like, a little moody occasionally, but he was pretty much always, like, nice to you all. Until the end when you, like, betrayed him and so he was kind of getting revenge. But, like, up until that point, Roke was a bro. And now you guys who were, like, had this superficial blood feud and, like, created all this drama get to just sit and laugh about the nice guy that just killed himself because of you? No! What the fuck? And they even acknowledge, right? They even acknowledge, which was the point I made last episode. They were like, hey, until one of us doesn't draw breath, right? Ha ha ha. Yeah. What about that funny blood feud that we have? What the fuck? I think it's absurd. They get get away with this. And Roke is the one who they're like, yeah, he had to go. I I think that that's a valid point. But I also think that. Pierce has set up this like this like twin souls thing this whole series, right? Yes. Where Dara's like, I think if I were to have been born into Cassius's life, I would have been a terrible person. And they've just had this connection that that we couldn't we couldn't not resolve. I don't think. I would have been very it's like I said last time that Cassius dying would have hit me like so much harder than a lot of other much more likable characters because we just we needed that 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 recombination of of Cassius and Darrow. Yeah, I I get that. I get that for sure. These have been like two planets orbiting around each other for like years and we've been just waiting for them to collide cuz like they need to. And I wouldn't say that Cassius is really Darrow's like rival because or like well maybe maybe rival is the right word um but like rival because of their similarities whereas Jackal is like Darrow's arch nemesis or was Darrow's arch nemesis so yeah I think there's like a difference because Darrow is also very tied to Jackal right there's that kind of duality too uh which didn't quite turn out the same way as the whole Cassius thing. 
<laughs> we're surprised. Luke's very surprised. Uh, but, but yeah, I get that. I get that that we needed the Darrow and Cassius thing to to happen. It just felt like Roke got such a raw deal in in this whole. Okay, thing. Roke definitely got a raw deal. I think that's fair to say. Uh, yeah, he just. But... Mm. <laughs> okay, and then and then there's the there's the next big scene that I'm thinking of, where. Severo basically saves the saves team morale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sever- and this was this was actually terrifying to me for multiple reasons. One being, I thought for sure Severo was going to die here. Oh. Like the way that Darrow Darrow's inner monologue phrases things in this section makes it seem like Severo is sacrificing himself, which he like kind of is, but I thought he was legit like gonna die here and i thought that cassius was gonna die here and i was so terrified because like for all the reasons i've just mentioned cassius dying before the full turn and then severo dying at the same time on top of it twice in this (laughs) in this section was was tough for me yeah i i had a little bit of fear about this but not a lot because Darrow, Darrow seemed like he knew it was happening. And whenever Darrow knows what's happening, usually all of his buddies are okay. Like he doesn't usually, he doesn't usually include in his plan somebody else to sacrifice themselves. So, so when Darrow is like chill, then I was like, okay, all right. I think everything's going to turn out, uh, would have loved to hear about that reduced gravity a little earlier so that this whole thing wasn't as terrifying, but but okay, cool. Cool. Glad that glad that worked out for you. But it was also I mean, the other reason why I was pretty sure Severo wasn't gonna die is because there's that parallel with Darrow and Tactus when and I think they actually explicitly mention it when Darrow's talking to Severo about how like when Darrow took the punishment on himself in the Institute, then like it brought everybody together. And so Severo is like mm-hmm. living that out here, which also I want to say, I love how constantly wrong Augustus, Nero Augustus was when he said like, oh yeah, the Institute doesn't matter at all. Like that shit's going to disappear when you leave this place. And like literally all three of these books have been like, hey, we were all friends in the Institute, so we're all friends now, or we're enemies now because we were friends in the Institute. And it's just all those people fighting among each other. Right. The The Institute was just so formative for all of the main players now, basically. Right, right. And how, just how, I love how wrong Nero was when he was like, yeah, the Institute doesn't mean shit. And it's like, actually, the Institute seems to have meant almost everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a little bit after, when when Severo is in the like emergency room, do you catch this little this little shit talking that uh, uh, what's his name the Carver does? Yeah, Mickey. Mickey where the where the doctor is like, another ten kilos, and you would have broken your neck. And Mickey is like, 
Darrow could have hold could have held like another ninety. It's like now, now's when you're gonna do this. You're gonna you're gonna talk shit about about Severo's neck now. I mean, it's very on brand for Mickey, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I also wonder though, like, is a snap neck really that bad? Now, now, hear me out. In this universe, does a snap neck mean death? I okay. In this universe, nothing except for death means death, right? Right. So, like, if there's like a yellow right there, and Mickey's like right around the corner, apparently, sure, Severo snacks snaps his neck, but like, that's fine. We'll just regrow some nerves just, for him. Just give him a new one, <laughs> you know, a better one, like. <laughs> we've been here before cassius took an arrow through the neck you can give you can give us another one you've got like stacks on stacks of necks back here you've got a warehouse full of necks just <laughs> pop a new one on what an absurd out of context quote that would be um <laughs> what if i mean several could request cassius's old neck he mm-hmm. could be like i got darrow's eyes Cassius's neck, my dad's kneecaps. He had great knees. Great knees. Everyone said it. Couldn't get my hands on his ribs for some reason. Okay, on on that note, are you ready to move on to the big the big event? Before we get there, I've got something extremely minor, but really okay. stood out to me. Darrow mentions that there's a bunch of refugees fleeing from uh, a bunch of gold refugees fleeing from, I think he said Mars because that's where everybody thought that they were going to go. And it reminded him of refugees after world war three fleeing to New Zealand because everywhere else was radioactive and super messed up. Pretty good uh, refugee hideout, New Zealand, like, those refugees have got to be loving it, right? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go somewhere. I'd love it right now to be like, hey, your house is radioactive, so you need to go somewhere else. Your options are, uh, let's see, we've got Alaska, New Zealand, or I don't, I don't want to blast anybody else. Yeah, I, I will say about this, though, that... The places that refugees usually go are like nearby, easy to get to without without resources. Mm-hmm. So like are people <laughs> World War Three comes around. Are we all getting in rafts and taking the like seventeen year stressful voyage to New Zealand? No. No, Luke. Be- the island as far away from anything as you can be. Because Luke the the player who starts this whole thing is Australia. Australia's talking shit. And so it's a bunch of people from Australia that just hop over to New Zealand. And that's where they're all coming from. Right, you from. can you can swim from that. Oh, you can spit, from, I think. From... <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, okay. Good point. Great spot. <laughs> this is a great spot to go. Um would recommend okay 
let's so give me give me a a picture of your reading experience for the the big the big event the, the big Severo okay almost dying thing so i don't know what you did when you read this but when i so i'm reading i was you know, going all the way through oh dude okay here's what happened with me uh they get to the moon i was like yeah okay that's a great plan i was kind of hoping we'd get there because we got to wrap this thing up pretty quick so get to the moon and they're like we're gonna let cassius out and i was kind of like okay that's pretty nice I like this. This is a good kind of kind of way to wrap this whole thing up. And then, so Cassius shoots Severo, and the chapter ends with Darrow and Mustang and Severo getting put into a box. And I had to put the book down. Because I was like, <laughs> no. No, Pierce. I was so mad at Pierce. Because it was like, <laughs> if any single person deserves to be just like chilling after all this anybody it's severo mm-hmm. and you kill him like that you do him like that and so i put the book down for a day i was like i can't i can't do this right now bye and i was like seriously considered just like not finishing it i was seriously just being like <laughs> i can't do this I didn't do that. I read on. And as I read on in that next chapter where they're taking the shuttle down and they get kind of captured by the jackal, I started to become very confident that Severo wasn't dead. And the Mm. reason why I was very confident Severo wasn't dead is because Darrow wasn't like, oh, my one friend, like, what could I have done differently to stop his death? Because literally every other time somebody's died, Darrow's been like, it's all my fault. What could I have done differently? Like, ah. And Darrow was, like, chill for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, he was explaining, like, oh, my friend's blood is all over me and, like, my friend's body is right there. But he wasn't, like, racked with guilt. He was just like, hmm. And... There was also a line that made me just like 100% confident that everything was fine where Darrow was like, this could unravel like my whole plan. And when you're reading it, it kind of seems like he's talking about the Jackal being there and that could be the thing that destroys his like armada. But he's like saying it, like the context he's saying it, he's already been captured and like you would think his plan is already completely unraveled at that point. Um, so like... Very quickly, uh, very quickly in like the next chapter, I was like, oh, okay, all right. So I think Severo's still good. So I'll finish the book. Um, but do you want to hear what I thought had happened? Ooh, yeah. So what I thought had happened, because I knew it had something to do with the Carver, because he said Mustang and the Mustang had gotten Mickey and the Yellow to whip up something. And that was part of the plan. I was thinking they faked Cassius. So they took Severo and they made him look and sound like Cassius. (laughs) And had a body double for Severo. And so, because like, think of how funny that would be if the ugliest, just like fucked up guy got turned into like this Adonis who was then just like, guess what? It's me, Severo. 
That would have been that would have been interesting. I feel like you might have been grasping at straws here. I like I was. Don't get me wrong. Okay, I for sure was. Yes. <laughs> but no, I Okay, yeah. I I read on through. I will say when Severo when Severo quote unquote died, took the bullets, I put the book down and was just like was pretty crushed because like not only had Severo died, but Cassius was the one to do it. And like as we've mentioned, I'm I'm very into the Cassius turn that we were looking for. And this was just was was terrible to me. I I like put the book down, was like <laughs> visibly and vocally unhappy. And my my partner who has read this book before, she did a very good job of of like acting like it was real, right? Because <laughs> I was like complaining to her a lot. Um and then and then just like kind of like hate read the rest of it until we got to the to the turn, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, was I was so like pissed emotional the whole time. So I wasn't I wasn't doing the I wasn't really thinking about it that much, right? So I wasn't going through what could be right or what what could be the like twist, the next twist. I was just reading and it was it was devastating to me. And then I okay, there's something that I want to say, but I'm gonna come back to it. Okay. When when the 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 good turn is about to happen, like there's this momentum building that I that I think I don't remember how exactly it happens, but the reader can tell that this is actually like on the up and up, yeah. right? Did you for a second get scared that I was right about Jackal? Because I very briefly was like, Jackal's the good guy. Jackal's the good guy. <laughs> there was one page where I was like, fuck, Luke is going to be right. Where And the page was like, they were getting everybody out of the room. Like the page was when they were like giving up all this information so the room would empty out. And they listed the people left and it was like, we've got Cassius. We've got Octavia and Lysander and the jackal and these other people and i was like are you kidding me if it's the jackal i'm gonna be so pissed <laughs> wasn't the unfortunately jackal. it was not <laughs> well yeah okay okay but let me get let me go back to the thing that i wanted to say mm -hmm. and that's something that you brought up a couple episodes ago jackal gets darrow's hand yes very he doesn't take a bite which i'm a little disappointed by yeah he doesn't take a bite unfortunately um, I will say, I don't think we fully appreciated how wild it is that Jackal did not get his hand replaced. Like, I know we talked about it, but like, just think for a second about how inconvenient it is for him to not have a second hand. Like, he's, is he getting someone to feed him? Like, what is going on here? Okay, Luke, how I don't you think you need willing? somebody to feed you if you only have one hand. Like, I think you can do that one handed. I mean, are you cutting up your own uh, steak? I'm assuming he's eating steak every day. Yeah, but he for sure has a butler to cut it up for him. Come on, Luke. This is one of this is one of the like wealthiest people in this society. Okay. I just think it's I think it's wild, and I don't I don't know if we fully appreciated how how much pride goes into like not getting a hand replacement. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is an immense... I think that's what kind of makes it more badass, though, and just shows how crazy the Jackal is. And and you mentioned how formative the Institute was. Yeah. You would think, too, that... So the Jackal essentially died because he wasn't able to really, like, fight back physically. Like, they were outnumbered in that room. But the Jackal was, like, basically a non-actor because they just stabbed him through the hand and then were done with it. But, like, you see through the Institute... If I'm Jackal, I saw Darrow crush it in the Institute because he was a pretty good fighter. Like, that helped him a lot. And if I'm, like, super obsessive about everything... Why wouldn't I just, like, train obsessively with a razor also? Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems like it's an important skill that he's neglecting for some reason that I'm trying to figure out. I, okay, yeah, I think that that's fair. I think he's kind of neglecting it on purpose. Like, he, part of his pride comes mm. from proving that he can be, like, the most powerful person without resorting to personally being good at like violence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like he is above gold in a way like it's not like he is gold and that's why he hates the reds he sees himself as like above gold like he doesn't need to pull out a razor and duel to the death or any of that he's like more advanced than that yeah okay i think that's <laughs> for sure jackal uh i think but we very okay this is yeah go ahead this is going to go back to, this is going to go back way too far, so we shouldn't talk about it too long. But going back to Red Rising, the first book, we had so many questions about how that year of the Institute compared to other years. And like the other years had to have been just shitty. The other years had to have been like, whoever wins this game of Red Rover wins the Institute. Because like, how is this? This is so formative for everyone in Darrow's year. But no one cares about it in other years? What are we doing? Like, all of the Bone Riders, even, are just Jackal's squad from the Institute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still think it could be that a lot of them just died already. Like, from the Institute, it had only been like five years, I think, since the events of this book, like total time. And so you had like a lot of them that were still alive. But think of how many of the people from the Institute died within that first five years. Kind of a lot. Right. So I imagine like years that are older than Darrow's year, most of them are probably dead at this point. And so like... <laughs> Yes, yes, I think Darrow's year at the Institute was way more formative than anybody else's, but also they're still kind of fresh meat. Yeah, that's fair. But, like, there definitely was never an Institute in the past where one of the Golds, like, whipped himself because some asshole tried to rape somebody, right? Like, this is, it was definitely a unique year, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so we love the turn. As soon as Severo gets up, I was just like, 
I was back on board, baby. Uh, very good turn. And I think part of it, this might be a hot take. I think Severo's death was like the worst death I've ever read in a book. I I think that that's fair. So like if Severo, even the fact that he wasn't dead, like the scene of Severo's death and what that meant for me and my reading experience for the rest of the book, like worst of any that I've ever read in my life. And this is including like, don't at me with your Game of Thrones people dying. Don't at me with your Harry Potter people dying. None of that. None of that matters compared to Severo dying. And so when this turn happens, I was just like, over the freaking moon. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. I was just so hyped. So, yeah. So relieved. I think I think you're right. I don't know how much of this is like recency bias, but I, I agree with you that this Severo dying was the most upset I've ever been about a character dying. Yeah, yeah. And I think the way that Pierce kind of like revealed he wasn't actually dead was fine. Like I wasn't upset with, I didn't feel cheap that Severo wasn't actually dead. Like I I think in universe, it all makes good sense and was like reasonable. I think it was reasonable that he would come back. Um, So I'm not like- And it was part of the plan. It wasn't like some- Exactly. Some- huge lucky thing that he lost. yeah it wasn't a miracle that happened it was just like a good plan which we loved uh yeah Mm. i will say this this like this twist would never have worked if i if i knew that okay okay wait actually let me restart okay so there is currently five books out And there's going to be a sixth, Mm -hmm. right? There's the second trilogy, as we now know, is like, well, semi-unrelated to this story. But I didn't know that going in, right? I I thought that maybe this could still go poorly and the next trilogy is like still Darrow trying to take over, right? But if I were in a world where those books did not exist yet, and I thought that this was the ending of the story, I there's no way I would have been quite as surprised by the twist, right? Because I, I thought that it was like still possible that this could go so wrong and we could just continue the story in the next like three books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I kind of get what you mean. Like Pierce isn't going to end this saga with Octavia killing Darrow and the society like still in place like that's there's no way pierce ends it with like oh yeah none of it mattered and so if you thought there was only going to be these three books then you'd be like yeah okay i'm sure daryl figures it out somehow in the end but yeah knowing that there's more books it definitely leads you to be more uncertain about what happens i for sure 100 percent agree with you on this yeah this is one of the few times that not reading it as it comes out may have like enhanced the effect for me absolutely yeah 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 100 percent. i thought for sure dara was gonna die i was so sure dara was gonna die in this book because i thought that was gonna be the sacrifice he was gonna have to make to pull this thing off and so for mm-hmm. a while there at the end i was like does Darrow have a radium bomb 
does Darrow have a radium bomb that he's going to like blast off at the end? Um, and that's why he's trying to get down into this chamber because he knows he's like the only one who's going to be able to get there. And is that how we're going to, is that how we're going to resolve this whole thing? Pretty hype. He didn't do that, but, uh, but yeah, I was, I was pretty sure Darrow was going to die. Um, partly too, because I had an idea for the next books. I don't know anything about, uh, books four and five or, or the next one coming out. Um, but I was thinking that they were following completely different characters. So I was like, you know, there's a good chance. I was thinking there's a good chance Darrow could die to get this whole thing popping mm-hmm. off. For sure. Okay. Um, why my? L- there's probably a lot to go over from from where we are now to the end of the book. But my my one my one note is just like, okay, seriously, how good is Asia at fighting? Because throughout this whole scene, I was like, damn it. They did all this cool stuff, and she's still going to win. I know. And when when Severo gives back to life, I was like, he's going to get killed again. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> I was like holding my breath through this whole fight scene. I know. <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? That like four on one. And sure, Darrow's missing a hand, but Cassius is like the number two fighter in all of the realm. Mustang is pretty good. Darrow can still at least do something. And Asia's taking him like it's no problem. Don't fight Asia. But it was like, it was, <laughs> don't fight Asia. It was written like very convincingly. Oh, yeah. Like I was not, I ne- never for a second was like, this is unrealistic. Definitely definitely like it just sounds like asia was superhuman at fighting this also comes back to the risk that darrow takes in all of his plans because if asia won this fight which it sounds like there was a chance she she did she did it's over that's it like there's no coming back from that and so the whole plan is resting on the fact that they can beat Asia. And I I did like that it wasn't a one-on-one fight, right? I liked that it was like, it took all four of them to take her down. But still, huge risk here. It was, it was. Although he did not, he did not expect to lose a hand. Right. But that's what I mean. Like, you don't know if you're only going to lose one hand, Darrow. What if Jackal's like, yeah, I'm going to take two yeah you yeah i think that's fair just so risky uh luke i have a question about the end of this book okay do they does birth control not exist in this universe because that's a good question so let's say i'm mustang i'm a career woman i've got a lot of aspirations for my future I'm going to be very in control of my body. Uh, I got pregnant, I think unexpectedly. There's ways around that, right? I I mean... This is the most advanced civilization ever, apparently. Like, we can do this now. 
Okay, so okay, so is your question are you surprised that birth control didn't happen to prevent her pregnancy or after she was already pregnant? No, no, no. I'm talking about preventing the pregnancy in the first place. Okay, okay, yes, yes. Like it doesn't seem like they were trying to have a baby. It doesn't seem like they were right. both like, hmm, hey, I might die, so let's do it to have a child. It seems like they were just like, hey, let's get it on. And like, sure, maybe you're really in the moment. But even like nowadays, just like an extra 30 seconds of time is all you need now, even if you're just like, like super in the moment. Or Mustang wasn't like at the end of that, like I should probably take plan B just to be sh- just to be safe. Or the equivalent of that, which I'm sure is like way better in this universe. Like, right. What? What are you doing? And. Here's my other problem with this, Luke. She just went ahead and named it. That's not fair. Right. You went ahead. I don't think Pax was a good choice. It either. was a bad choice, if I'm being honest, because if I'm Darrow, I'm like, hey, Pax already got a ship. I gave Pax the ship. Maybe name this one after my dad. Who? Yeah. There's so many. I think there's so many better options than Pax. Like. If you want to be more impactful, Roke, even Tactus. Okay, hold on, though. Hold on. You can't name it Roke or Tactus because those people are both still alive. Oh, Tactus isn't. Tactus isn't. Neither. What are you talking about? Neither. Oh, okay, okay, okay. When, when she, she had it. the baby, yes. Roke was still alive. Tactus was kind of an ass. So I get... Okay, yeah. <laughs> to, your, to your point about it being unfair... She did think that Darrow was dead. <laughs> okay, that's a fair point. That's a fair... Which just goes to show how much of an MVP Severo was, right? <laughs> Literally, everybody's like, Darrow's dead, and Severo's like, no, 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 no. I got a connection with my boy. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You don't go Pax here, though. Mm-hmm. But Luke, this actually leads me to a theory about this baby luke i don't think this is darrow's baby Ooh, luke is this cassius's baby now let me lay out my case mustang excellent politician okay she knows how to kind of manipulate people to get what she wants she's good at that side of things right she's she talks about herself like similarly to the jackal in that she's she's good at this political maneuvering this intelligent political maneuvering one of the early things we saw happen that's evidence of this is dating cassius in the first place right that's like she claims that that is purely political and she's doing it for ulterior motives This is important for two reasons. One, they definitely did it. So there could be a baby just because apparently that's how you have babies in this universe is that's all it takes. So Mustang and Cassius already have a history which could produce a child. The second reason that this is important is it shows that she is like willing to lie in pretty significant ways to accomplish her goals. Let's assume 
She thinks Darrow's dead. Okay. This baby being Darrow's has no benefit to her at all. Absolutely none, if Darrow's dead. But this baby being Cassius's... Other than, other than, other than the, like... <laughs> like reality of having a baby yeah, yeah yeah sure 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 but ignoring that but if the baby's cassius's well now you've got somebody who's like out there trying to protect you which we see near the end and kind of throughout where cassius is super protective of mustang right and i think a great time for mustang to have told cassius that it's his baby is at the meeting with quicksilver this baby okay. is a bargaining chip. I, I, I worry a little bit that you're that you're missing some timing here. Mm, okay, okay, help me out with that. Because I think between the time in which she would have been with Cassius and the time in which Darrow would have last seen her is a long period of time. Yes, Luke, you're right. But that's assuming she only got together with Cassius one time. I hate this. I hate this so much. No! Darrow, no! She thinks Darrow's dead. <laughs> this is terrible. No, 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 no. Here's some, other, here's some other things that I need you to explain if this is Darrow's baby. First, red and gold physiology isn't compatible okay but you don't think that mickey is like being thorough here you're saying mickey altered darrow's reproductive organs to be compatible with gold if he's like hey just in case you happen to get lucky i'll make sure you impregnate whoever it is you're sleeping with darrow i i think so ah that feels like Okay. okay like you think i don't think he's cutting corners here I guess that's true. Okay, okay. I guess that's true. My next question then, so the baby has gold hair, right? Sure, Severo has gold hair, but Severo has very distinct characteristics identifying him as not full gold, right? Uh Does this baby have those characteristics? I don't know. I think this baby's got the face of an Adonis, Luke. Because here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. And I think it helps explain why she names the baby Pax. Because as soon as she does that, she's got Kavax in the palm of her hand. Right? As soon as she names the baby Pax, he's like, I got to protect Mustang. Because she named her baby after my son. And so it's just like a brilliant political move. She's in need of allies. Names the baby Pax. Great move. I okay. I don't. I don't know if that necessarily gives any evidence to the to the the theory at the heart of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, there's also the possibility that Mustang is just super in love with Darrow, and they have a bond which goes beyond color. Uh, and it's just the purest love, but that's boring. So, what if it's Cassius's <laughs> so gotta... baby? Okay, 
There it is. And <laughs> now, and now she doesn't have to tell anybody. Got to keep right? things interesting. Got to. Hmm. Okay, maybe that's the plot of the next. Okay, okay, next series. If we if we ever come back to the next trilogy, we'll have to see how tall Baby Pax grows, right? If Baby Pax is 18 in the next series and he's like only six feet instead of seven feet, it's Darrow's baby. Mm -hmm. However, if he's like a super hot seven feet tall uh, hot guy, Cassius for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's let's keep an eye on it. That's what we're on. Okay. Um you want to you want to wrap with some some thoughts on the overall series since we have not done it for the last book? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the series as a whole. Do you want me to do you want me to take this over? Or do you want to go? Sure, you go okay. first. So, obviously I freaking love this series. This was these are books that I would read in a day. Okay. Um and I've been trying to think about why I was so into this these books. And I think part of it is Pierce does an excellent job with the like roller coaster, right? Where things will be going just like so incredibly well and we're like flying through, crushing it. And then we fall off a freaking cliff and things are just like worse than they've ever been. And I think those moments where we go from high to low are so well done that it just like constantly keeps you engaged in the plot and so i love those but something that i think really helps this stand out among a lot of these like chosen one narratives right and i can think of like a billion off the top of my head right you've got like ender wiggin who's this genius who's like solving all these problems um you've got like you know just this this standard narrative of somebody that is the chosen one and is needed to solve the problems. The difference here is I think Pierce does a very good job of spreading the load among the rest of the characters. So while Darrow is essential to this whole thing happening, the other important characters are also essential. So Severo is essential, Mustang is essential, Dancer is essential, Mickey's essential, all of these characters contribute to this final victory in a very meaningful way. And like, yes, Darrow does accomplish a lot on his own throughout the book. It's very heavily reinforced that like he can't do this all on his own. And, and yeah, he's very capable, but he would not have gotten anywhere without important people helping him. And I I think that is definitely done in a lot of Chosen One stories, especially modern Chosen One stories. But I think it was especially well done here, where the the other characters in the book weren't just like sidekicks to Darrow. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that's what really like makes this story stand out to me from the other like Chosen One narratives. Yeah. Okay. Agreed. I, no surprise here, am also a huge fan of these books. I think I'm only gonna I'm only gonna focus on just one part of it that I really liked because I think 
it would be too much otherwise i the the characters i think are what sets this one apart and the like depth of character progression and how much i ended up caring about different characters and like not just a couple characters a lot of them right was pretty unique like i i have often cared about tons of characters in other books but i don't know if it's ever been like quite to the degree of how much i care about characters and how many of the characters i care about and like how invested in their their progression like i talked about with cassius and um other characters i think that that's pretty that's pretty good in this story very good in this story um i this is like one of i think one of my favorite series oh this is the this is the book the kind of book that i read on my kindle but i might just buy the 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 physical copy just to have just to put on your shelf that's that's where i am with this series i i like that take i think this is going in my top three but it's just gonna bump out Ooh, (laughs) don't do this luke hates it when i do this it doesn't mean anything (laughs) for you it does (laughs) i guess i yeah i've just got to keep a running list of top three i'll let i'll tweet about my top three don't worry about it we'll make sure it's up to date yeah i agree with luke this is like one of my favorite series great books good job pierce Yeah. yeah okay and we are we are done with the first trilogy we are not gonna. We are not gonna read the next books now. I can see us returning, returning to it. Um, let me take a moment to thank listeners that were tuning in just for the Red Rising series. Um, thank, thanks for listening. We had a ton of fun. Thanks for commenting on the Reddit if you if you did. Um, hopefully you'll stick around. Uh, but we're we're moving on. We have hope you've enjoyed it. Um, what was I going to say? If you want to help us out, like if oh, you yeah. like the show and there's anything you want to do to help us out, um, the uh, we've said this before, but just like tell people you know that you think would like the show about it. Um, you know, post on Reddit or, or in person with anybody that you happen to know that might like it. Um, that's like the best thing. Uh, but if you just want to like do something easy to help us out, give us a rating on iTunes uh, leave us a review and that'll that'll help us out a little bit too but mostly we just care about like just tell people what we're doing exactly okay you wanna you wanna tell tell the folks what we're reading next next book we'll be making this announcement on our twitter at dc to bc uh on our facebook page don't call it a book club and on our subreddit our don't call it a book club as well but next book reading Luke is called Circe by Madeline Miller. Heard good things. I haven't read it. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I don't know much about like Greek mythology, to be honest. Ooh, Luke, I might have a little bit more, a little bit more insight then on this. Yeah. Yeah. But excited. Stick with us. And read the first third for next week. Mm hmm. And get excited, because we're going to be coming back with plenty of hot takes. And still acting like dumb nerds. Mm-hmm.